Shalom. This is Gary Duroshinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this message. Lord, as we turn our attention to your word in these few moments that we have, might you unfold it to us. May you, Lord, be our teacher and our guide. May we hear your voice and may we be responsive to it. So, Lord, may your name be lifted up. May we see Yeshua. That is why we have come. And, Father, may we see him in your word this day, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Of course, next week is Thanksgiving, and I want to say some things about Thanksgiving from this passage. Initially, as I looked at this passage over and over during the course of the week, and I kept thinking, how do I say something about Thanksgiving in relevance to, to the book of Hebrews, or at least to this portion of Hebrews? And let me share with you what I, what I think the connection might be. If you turn with me to chapter 4, we're making our way through this book together. And in the beginning verse, it says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So let me just stop there just for a moment. The writer is making reference to the generation of Jewish people that came out of Egypt with Moses. And when they had opportunity to enter into the promised land as the spies went out, the response was by the majority of those spies, no, we cannot take the land. It is as God has said, it is as beautiful as he had described, but no, the enemy and the fortified cities are such that we cannot go in and take the land. Now look at verse four, uh, chapter 4 again. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear uh, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. When he makes reference to good news, he's not talking about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and soon coming of our Messiah and Lord. That's not what he's referring to. The good news he's referring to is the promises God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob regarding the promised land. So he's saying good news came to them, good news has come to us. In fact, the whole story of God's revelation to humanity is one big good news, is it not? It's all good news. Just different kinds of good news at different stages of history. So that when God creates the world, that's good news. 
what did not exist now comes into existence by the very power of God's speech. And what he creates and what comes into reality, he tells us is good, 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 very good. That's good news, right? And then when God speaks to Abraham and tells him that to him and his descendants, he'll bless the world. To him and his descendants, he would give a specific land on the earth that he has created, the land of Israel. And to this specific family is the one who would come to redeem mankind. That too is good news that was given to Abraham. And so what the writer is telling us is that throughout God's history, he has given us good news. He uses the word promises. So he has promised them to enter into his rest. And so that's the good news those in the past among Israel had heard. What's the good news that his readers have heard? That good news is not only that Messiah has come and provided us with the redemptive grace that we've been awaiting, that we've been waiting for, but also the promise that he will come again to restore all of humanity and all of the universe. The rest that he is talking about, he uses the present tense. The rest he's talking about is the rest of the messianic age that will come when Messiah returns. He's already made allusion to this earlier. You remember he said, when again he comes the second time. But the passage, he goes on to quote these passages and he says, again it says, again it says, but literally the text says, and whenever again he sends the son into the world, let all the angels worship him. So that's the verse. You can look that up. It's sort of like the writer to the Hebrews. I know he says somewhere, you know, so we'll say that at the writer to the Hebrews, but he says, when again he sends him a second time or again when he sends him, let all the angels worship him. He's already made allusion to the fact that the Messiah is to come again and establish his kingdom. Now he's drawing attention to the fact that when we embrace Yeshua as Messiah, we have the promise, the hope, the anticipation of entering into his kingdom, entering into that messianic age. It is a hope that is present with us at this time, he's telling his readers. So he says in chapter 4, while this promise of entering his rest is still standing because the kingdom hasn't yet come, it's still standing, we still await it, he says, let us fear lest any of you should fail to reach that kingdom, fail to enter into that kingdom. And so he says, for good news came to us, just as to them, but, they, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they did not receive that message or respond to that message in faith, is what he tells us. He says, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not, it was not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed, we are entering that rest. Even as he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I always found that phrase Rather interesting in light of the fact that he's encouraging them to enter the rest. And then he says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You would think he would say because he had given them the opportunity to enter that his rest. But he says just the opposite. And the point that the writer is making is, if there was no rest to enter, 
God would never have promised a rest to us to begin with. That's what the writer's trying to say. In other words, he's saying, for we who have believed we entered that rest, for if there was no rest, why else would God say, I swore in my wrath, they would not enter it unless it existed. And that's why he's quoting that passage. But he's also quoting that passage as a warning that there were those in the past who did not enter into his rest because of their lack of faith. And he always comes back to this issue of faith. And the question that raised in my mind was, what is it that exhibits faith? What is it that can sort of prove we have faith? And that's where thanksgiving comes in. Because the whole point I think he wants to make is the reason they didn't enter is because they didn't have faith. And why didn't they have faith? Now think about this. Why didn't they have faith? Because they were not grateful for the promise to enter into his rest. In other words, if they had valued his promise, they would have been grateful for it and thereby they would have trusted in it. Their faith in the promise would have been exhibited by their gratitude for it. So that when they entered the land and they saw how beautiful it was, they would have been amazed by the grace of God and they would have been thankful for the kind of land God would have given them. And once they were thankful for it, they would have gone in and seized it. The reason they didn't have faith is because they lacked gratitude. And that's why in the book of Numbers... Moses tells us that 10 times they provoked the Lord to anger. And the provocation, that's what the writer to the Hebrews refers it to, was that moment when they failed to enter the land. It was the last straw, it was the last provocation, but it was the climactic provocation. But there were 10 of them. And how and why did they provoke the Lord? Because each time the Lord provided for their need about which they complained, they lacked gratitude. They drank of the water when he made it sweet that was once bitter, but they never thanked him for it. They ate the quails that he sent their way, but they never thanked him for it. They drank the water that he brought out from a rock, but they weren't thankful for it. Now look, in Hebrews chapter 4 and 3, remember what the writer makes reference to. Over and over again, he keeps quoting this phrase, Today, if you hear his voice, be responsive to it. Where did he get it from? Take a look, Psalm 95. And look at this passage. I just read the opening verse to you, but look at its entirety. Notice how the writer starts. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with what? Faith? No. With gratitude. Let us come into his courts with praise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And then he tells us in the very same uh, psalm, look at verse 8. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't become ungrateful for what God is giving you. Their lack of gratitude is what led them to lack faith to trust God to take the land. And therefore, the psalmist says it starts 
with a grateful heart. And a grateful heart is the evidence of faith. We always think, oh, the evidence of faith is when the dead walk, rise up. When the, the, those that are uh, hurting are healed. And that is a manifestation of God's grace, no question. But we think that is its demonstration. But the psalmist is telling us, no, no, no. The real demonstration of faith in a person's life is gratitude for what God has given to us. At every stage of our lives. Because it is an expression of our trust in God, our faith in God, that he is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, whether it's without water or food, God will take care of us. And therefore, we need to be grateful. Now, it's not just here. Take a look at this. In 2 Timothy, when Paul writes to this young man that he entrusted the, the congregation at Ephesus, his very last writing, shortly before he dies, in chapter 3 of his letter, his second letter to Timothy, he says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Look at this one, ungrateful unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. What does he mean by denying its power? He means the power that God uses to transform us from being this kind of people to being a different kind of people, a people who are not selfish, a people who are not unloving, a people who are kind, a people who are grateful. Isn't it interesting in the midst of all of these sort of sinful characteristics, he adds ungrateful? alongside being brutal, alongside being violent, alongside being selfish, lovers of self. He says, being ungrateful. That's not the only place, by the way. Take a look at the book of Ephesians. Paul tells us in in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, again, dealing with the sinful characteristics of our lives. He focuses particularly in the book of Ephesians on sexual immorality. He says, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be, now you would think, let there be kindness. Let there be holiness. That's what I might put in there. But no, what does Paul put in there? Let there be thankfulness. And that's not the only place. Look at chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, I'm looking at verse 15, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled, controlled by the Spirit of God. Address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, submitting to one another out of reverence for Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Thanksgiving in the heart of these um, just abusive 
characteristics or our sinful characteristics. So what is the mark of faith? Faith grows out of gratitude and of thankfulness. The writer to the Hebrews is concerned that his readers would be ungrateful like those in the wilderness that rebelled against God when God had given them so much. Why is thankfulness so great? The worship team can come on up here as I draw this to a close. Why is thankfulness so great? Because in order or in so important, because first of all, to be thankful necessitates humility and a humble heart. Because being thankful means it was not of my own effort or my own ability or my own uh, acquiring. It forces humility because I'm grateful for what was given to me. It necessitates selflessness because thankfulness means I have what I have by the grace of someone or something else. It's something that has been provided for me. Why do we say thank you to someone? Because they have granted us something that we could not have granted for ourselves or did not grant for ourselves. So thankfulness reveals humility. Thankfulness reveals selflessness. Thankfulness reveals a lack of power and strength and a necessity and dependency upon one who is more powerful and more dependable and more sustaining of us. And when we turn our hearts to God in that respect, that's having faith. We're saying, Lord, we cannot save ourselves. That's the height of selfishness. We can save ourselves by doing good things and we can gain God's favor so that he would look upon us and say, well, I must save that one because look who or what she is. Thankfulness means, Lord, if it was not for you, I would be helpless before you. And therefore, I need you. And that reveals our utter humility, our utter powerlessness, and our utter dependency upon him. That's what chapter 4, these first 13 verses, is all about. He keeps saying the same thing in slightly different ways by drawing our attention to Psalm 95 and reminding us that the, the sin of the Jewish people in the wilderness was principally a thanklessness that revealed a faithlessness. And so he says, today... While you hear his voice. They heard his voice in the wilderness. The readers of the book of Hebrews are hearing his voice as he has written this text to them. And today we hear his voice even as his word is shared and revealed to us. Today as you hear his voice, notice what he says. Don't harden your heart to be thankless for what God is offered the rest that we can enter into when it fully emerges. Right now, we're seeing pieces of that rest, that rest that we find in salvation, a salvation rest, the rest that we find in God's transforming of our lives as we don't have to transform ourselves. God is transforming us little by little, a transformative rest. But let us not miss out on that messianic 
rest. That rest in the kingdom when he comes a second time. And all the angels worship him. We want to join with them in worshiping him as well. But it starts not then when it will occur, but it starts today as he speaks to us presently. So the question is, have you heard his voice? And if you've heard his voice, have you humbled yourself before him so as to be thankful and therefore to be faithful? Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this day. We are grateful for your grace and mercy. We need to be a thankful people even in the midst of such trying times that invade our own personal lives as well as the world around us. So, Lord, we want to lift up to you our fellow brethren in France, Europe, and other parts of the world where things are on high alert because of the terrorist threats. We pray, Father, somehow through all of this evil, your word, your voice will still be heard and many as a result will humble themselves before you and embrace you as their only hope for today and for eternity. We pray, Father, for ourselves that we would be a thankful people and not an arrogant people, not a people who feel we are deserving, but a people who know how, just how undeserving we are and therefore how grateful we ought to be for what you have granted us. Father, we praise you and we thank you for the work of Jewish Voice Ministries. We pray that you'll continue to bless them. And we pray, Lord, they as a ministry, they as a staff, they and their volunteers would always be grateful for the calling you have called them to, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. May you provide for all of their needs. We pray, spiritually, emotionally, wisdom, financially. Then, Lord, we pray for ourselves. May we be a congregation that is characterized by our gratitude, that is reflected in our faith, that is seen in our joy, because as thankful people, we're not bitter or angry but we're joyful for the good things you have given to us. Change and transform us and make us whole and new. And then, Lord, we would pray, may your gift of salvation take hold of our hearts. For some, that might mean finding you as Lord and Savior. For others, that means walking more faithfully by your spirit in step with you and in hope for the future. So, Lord, we bless your name and we are thankful this day for your mercy and for your grace. We pray in Yeshua's name. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to Him. Do remember us in your prayers 
And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L.org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.